welcome back to another Commodity Conversations. This week, we're just going to do a bit of a short update on what the market's doing around the agriculture. Uh, we've got Olivia Agar covering off on wool, Matt Dalglish covering off on livestock, and I'll cover off a bit on grains. Idea is we'll uh, we'll try and do some short summaries. Uh, so Matt, short summaries is the uh, the key thing there. Uh, just on what's happening around the place without, uh, just to give you a bit of an update, you can listen to it in your tractor when you're starting to seed this weekend or in your long commute from the bedroom to the uh, the office on Monday morning. Uh, so we'll start off with you, Matt. What's happening on livestock? Uh, yeah, thanks, Andrew. Good day, Olivia. Um, so interesting times. We've had a shorter trading week because of Easter, uh, not just for sale yards but also for processors. So we have seen lower yardings for sheep and lamb across the East Coast and also quite lower slaughter. Um, slaughter was a big one, particularly uh, for sheep and lamb on the east coast. Uh, running below what you'd normally consider in winter is the is the really uh, low time for slaughter. We're actually below that already in Easter, uh, about 25% below um, the normal midwinter lull. Um, so that's quite quite soft. And I guess given what's happening overseas and and concerns around um, supply chains and export channels that processes. Um, being a bit reluctant to engage is is understandable. Um, in sheep and, and lamb markets, that's flowed through. We've got the new um, COVID-19 indicators that MLA have put out and the one that took the most pain this week in terms of uh, price uh, reductions was processor lambs off about 4% to close around 208 cents. That was um, prices from midweek. Uh, cattle markets, similar level of um, uncertainty facing them. Uh, in terms of slaughter, though, the uh, Easter lull for cattle was actually higher than this time last year. Um, so that's not a bad thing. I guess um, there's still uh, a little bit of demand there uh, for the beef product um, and uh, processes are responding with a bit higher action uh, there with beef. Um, in terms of pricing, we've seen a bit of a mixed signal. Um, feeder cattle prices are up this week, uh, um, so they're, they're looking not too bad. Um, but the real concern, I guess, is uh, pricing. What's happening overseas in beef markets, the US live cattle futures took another turn south this week and... That's not really a problem if the Aussie comes off at the same time, but unfortunately we've seen the Aussie probing higher as well. So it's meant that it's kept um, pressure on cattle prices. So um, there's probably limited upside for finished cattle prices here with uh, the US market tanking like it is. Um, and it's also dragging down the grinding um, beef price, the 90CL, into um, the US, which is one of those key indicators we look at. That's off about 16 cents this week um, to 7.50 cents a kilo um, ship weight. So... Um, yeah, a bit of uncertainty still weighing on on both uh, lamb and sheep markets and um, cattle markets. But overall, bearish or bullish on uh, on those markets? Uh, I think mildly bearish. Uh, you know, the outlook. Um, I mean, there's a couple of things in favour for producers. Bureau of Meteorology just put out their weather forecast for the three month outlook into winter, and that's actually showing a really good signal for the first time in. A, number of seasons we're looking at um, a 60 to 75 percent chance of above average rainfall across most of the country which is a really good sign um, that's going to play into the favor of producers and also we've got the very tight supply of sheep markets and cattle markets this season so that's going to help along and support support the price on dips but um, the big unknown is that global situation and and reductions in global growth um, which is going to weigh on prices over time um, I think on balance you're probably looking at a mildly bearish scenario for livestock prices in to the yeah, medium to longer term, I suspect. Olivia, probably wool's probably been the worst affected when it comes to all commodities in ag. Uh, when it comes to this this coronavirus crisis, what's happening this week in wool? Has it managed to 
curtail some of the losses from recent weeks, or is it still continuing to plummet? Yeah, we've, you're right, Andrew. We've definitely seen that volatility in the wool market over the last uh, month now. Um, but this week uh, was due to be the Easter recess as normal, but you'll remember that we had that malware attack on the auction, auction system a few weeks ago, and that, that led to the cancellation of the week's sales. So this week it was decided that instead of the normal Easter recess, there would be a sale on Wednesday um, as an opportunity for, for sellers that missed out um, back then to pull, bring forward their, their wool for sale. So um, brokers were encouraging clients only to offer if they were genuine sellers this week. So there was quite a lot of wool that was withdrawn prior to auction. So the, the offering then was down to only 18,000 bales, which is obviously a very small amount um, for a week's sales. Um, but the market did open quite strong on Wednesday. Uh, at the end of the day, though, it had retreated back, particularly in Fremantle. And what that meant was that we had a pretty high national passing rate again this week at uh, 23% nationally, and over in WA it was at 30%. So this put the bales sold for the week at just under 14,000, which is the lowest since, I think, back in um, June in 2009. It was the last time it was at these low levels. Um, and what that meant for prices this week, the Eastern market indicator was back slightly, only just, just nine cents. Uh, those finer, um, merino types in Melbourne all did have rises. However, it was, um, it was the crossbred section that was really dragging down the EMI this week with falls of between 20 and 40 cents, cents there. Um, so not, not a super strong week for wool this week, but it, has taken fact that it was an unusual selling week with just the one day of sale. So next week when we're back to those normal selling days on Tuesday and Wednesday, um, it'll be interesting to see how it fares then. Matt, you had something to say on IMF? Oh, yeah, that's an interesting thing. I was just wondering um, with regards to a longer-term situation for wool, um, IMF came out this week uh, just saying that um, their growth forecast for China they're pegged for 2020 at 1.2% uh, growth, which um, look some economies around the world if they, they grow this year, that'd be an absolute great result. But for China to see growth levels down to that level is just unheard of. In fact, it's probably been 60 years since we've seen growth levels that low in China, um, and that's going to, I guess, be a bit of a problem ongoing for that wool, wool sector um, if you've got the economy there growing so slowly, uh, and then also concerns in in Europe and North America. Uh, about negative growth, that uh, a product like wool, which is a big discretionary spend, um, it's going to be difficult for um, for it to see uh, see their way clear in terms of getting some of those orders through from other parts of the world to get those Chinese wool mills going. So it might be a bit more pain installed yet for the wool market. And I guess that's the thing. Like wool is ultimately, it's quite easily replaceable. So if that's right, yeah, that's right. What about um, grains, Andrew? That's been a bit of a tumultuous week as well this week, has it? Or ah, grains is always always interesting. Uh, I think largely since basically uh, the, the end of the Easter break, we've just seen the the grain price on a global level. Like it, if we look at CBOT, just declining day after day. Uh, at the same time, we've we've saw the Aussie dollar, like you were saying before, rising back up and hitting. You know, 64 and a half at one point this week. Uh, so what has effectively happened is both things have played against that that grain price, at least for for a new crop, and we've seen those those prices decline. And we're actually, you know, 
a lot of farmers have probably taken a bit of our advice and taken out some swaps in uh, in mid March when they were hitting that sort of three forty five and above and up to three fifty five. Now a swap for this uh, this coming harvest is three thirteen, which is you know basically we've almost lost all the gains that we had from that recent rally. The reality is that. You know, as much as this crisis has, has moved prices and there's been a lot of uncertainty when it comes to, you know, logistics and quarantines, etc. I think the reality is that fundamentals eventually come back into play. And the reality is that the world is looking like it's going to produce a big crop. Russia's got rain on the way and, uh, and, and, and Australia looks to be pretty good, like you said. The rainfall is probably the most promising sort of forecast we've had from the bomb in in a number of number of years. So yeah, I think it's. Yeah, I still think hedging at three ten to three fifteen is probably still traditionally quite a strong number for a lot of uh, sort of uh, producers. Uh, and that's the reality of it. <laughs> we're uh, we've got a bit of toy noises in the background from my little one we're all uh, we're all in that situation with uh you know having to deal with uh you know kind of uh, working from home disruptions so that's all i'm sure the the listeners won't mind with uh, your little uh, daughter there bashing away or whatever she's bashing in the background um that's that's the and andrew just with those that rain forecast that uh, bureau have put out is that meant uh, your uh, estimate because you were looking at a pretty good bumper crop again this year for australia weren't you given um, what's been happening with the livestock markets and, and the cost of uh, restocking uh, for some, you, you're saying there might be quite a few that just go and put a, a cash crop of, uh, of cereals in rather than go and restock, well, um, well, and well, that's part of it. Yeah. Well, I know there's been a lot of press in the last couple of days on the drum and 60 minutes that we're going to run out of wheat this year and that no one's going to plant any, any crops. Uh, the reality is every acre that is available is going to be planted, I reckon. The price signals are there that it's worthwhile planting. The weather signals are there. And financing is, is freely available. So if you want to put the optimum amount of fertilizer on your crop, you can get the finance for it fairly easily. And, uh, yeah, I think we'll, we'll be in for that. I, I sort of pointed out quite early on in February that I thought it was a 25 to 27 million ton crop. I still think it's in that range. But every week that we get more rain and every week that we get better forecasts, it's erring towards that top end of the range rather than the bottom end of the range. So, and if we see that sort of, you know, anything above that, that sort of 24 million tonne and above, then we'll see basis slip and we'll see premiums above the rest of the world erode. But it doesn't really matter. If you're getting a big crop, then uh, yield is king. I guess another interesting week in this... Uh, self-isolation stroke house arrest uh, I guess we'll be back next week we do have a webinar which is coming up on Tuesday uh, if you're one of our subscribers you would have got an email about it recommend you uh, register for that then you can uh, listen to our voices but you can also see some nice colourful charts and get a bit of an update on where we think the, the markets are and also a bit of an update on, on FX which has obviously been a big driving force you know, for all of our products. So uh, thanks very much for listening. Uh, share it with your friends and family. Have a good weekend all. Uh, see you guys next week. Cheers. Thanks, Andrew. Bye-bye.